0: What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Episode number 93, presented by the Seven Line, just wrapped up a series against the St. Louis Cardinals and which the Mets won three of four. Three of four, something we haven't done a whole lot this year. We've been winning a lot of series, but we really haven't been able to get those three wins. So a we've nice... Actually, we've had, what, maybe three, four-game series this year, and this is the second time we've gone three of four. I guess that is a good point. We just don't sweep. Yeah. We don't sweep, and again, we didn't sweep this one, but three of four against the Cardinals, who we've stressed... All year long. These are big series, even though we're not in the division. This is this is one of our playoff contenders right here. One of our competitors for one of those final spots. Huge, huge series win for the Mets. A lot to talk about. Before we do, of course, make sure you guys are following us on all our social media at Up on the YouTube channel, MetsUp Podcast, if you want to watch a video version. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, drop us a rating. Drop us a review. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're downloading the episodes. Hit, click that auto-download, whatever it is, so you guys don't miss out whenever they do come out. And Let's go ahead and bring in James here. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. Episode in person. Episode in person. The boys are back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a little bit of a loud apartment. You guys, if yeah. you haven't been watching the YouTube videos, probably wouldn't get the jokes as much, but wherever you're living, which is an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location in East Williamsburg. It is so loud. It is so unbelievably loud. I only moved like a block away when I moved apartments about three weeks ago, but I didn't realize that I'm moving from the middle of a side street into a room on a major Brooklyn street with my room facing the street. It gets really loud. Yeah. I can hear audibly hear songs in cars. The guys on the dirt bikes go like a hundred miles an hour. I hear the whoosh past me, right past me. It's it's almost unbelievable. Like there's there's the show I do for Pitcherless, the first pitch podcast. I usually record at like one a.m., so it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. When we try to record this in the middle of the day, it's almost hilariously bad. Yeah, no, we're recording at 7.30 right now. There's a 0% chance we could get through a clean episode. No chance. Yeah, absolutely not. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, mm. but this is what we got to start off with. Let's yeah. rip the Band-Aid off. We know that Max Scherzer left the game early in game three. We didn't know what was going on. We got some insight today. It is no bleak injury, and he is out for six to eight weeks, which just coming into the game. I mean, it actually happened during the game. Happened, like, the fifth inning. So, it was when I was biking over. Happened during the game. And, I mean, talk about a kick in the nuts. Uh. Talk about an absolute kick in the nuts. Because yesterday, everyone was speculating, trying to figure out what it was. We had lip reading going on. We had everything. Thought it was a blister. He has blisters, apparently. That is a thing. We thought maybe it was his back. Maybe it was a hamstring. He said he was tight. Ends up being the oblique. It's a significant strain or a mild to significant, I think, is what they're calling it. They said high. It's significant to high or something. Yeah. Whatever the semantics are of this injury. Did they usually report those by grade, like a grade one, grade two, grade three. They didn't say it because it probably means a bad grade. So. Yeah, probably not a good grade. <laughs> and it's just... It sucks because... We haven't had Jacob DeGrom all year, and we're missing him. He's we Imagine how good we'd be with Jacob DeGrom, my goodness. And Max Scherzer has kind of made it okay because he stepped right into that same role and been our ace, been dominant, been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And even last night, you know, when we are recording this, he was so good that night too. And it just, it really, really stinks that we now are without two of our major pitchers, along with Tyler McGill being on the IL. The Mets are all of a sudden desperately in need of pitching. It's it's not great. It also really sucks because in all the interviews going on Max Scherzer last night after the game, it said it was something that was bothering him all day. And you almost kind of wish that they wouldn't have pushed it when he had something bothering him, especially just knowing how how tenuous this rotation depth really is right now. That part of it kind of disrupted me a little bit, made me upset or disturbing as... As Gary Cohen called it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I could go as far as disturbing. <laughs> not even disturbing. When he, even when he said it, I was like, I think it's upsetting or yeah. disappointing. I was like, disturbing is, that's a word. That's, that's a gotta, real word, yeah, yeah. That carries a lot of weight. But just, it does stink. It stinks. The team is not going to let it get to them. At least it seems like right away. Game four was a massive come from behind team win. But you could just feel it. I feel like amongst fans, amongst the language, people on Twitter, it just, it seems, this is this is not a good thing. He's one of the best, he's one of the best players in all of baseball, one of the fiercest competitors, the most talented pitcher that was healthy on this team, and losing him is going to be a big deal as we head to a bit of a tough part of our schedule as is. It feels like every five minutes or so during watching the game, I was like, god damn yeah. it, damn it, I was like, damn it, damn it, damn it, everything was going too well, Max Scherzer was looking too good. And this l- stupid little injury had to pop up. I, I fucking hate obliques.
1: <laughs> I, I hate, hate obliques Where is too. the
0: oblique? Here, side, side. Yeah. Oh, God. Side. How do you even stretch? And it that was his out? left side, I believe. Okay, interesting. How do you even like stretch the oblique? Some, some over the top. Yeah, I guess. I guess some side to side motion. Wave your hands back and forth. But Russian, the Russian twist. Oh, that's how you work God, out the oblique? That's so frustrating though that that's that's the news that came in. And really, what was a series that we should be really happy about? And I am. Joyous. Yeah, I'm definitely happy, but. It does put a little bit of a dampener on it because, I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's talk about the big elephant in the room. We need, we need to find pitching. We have yeah, to. We definitely need to find pitching. And we'll either do a segment, depending on time, at the end of this episode or the end of the next one about finding pitching. But it's clear the Mets need something. They already signed Trevor Cahill to a minor league deal. Cahill is a guy who he bounces around, he pitches. Not very well all the time, but he no. does pitch on occasion. There are some guys in the system that might be able to give a shot to a Jose Budo, a Mike Montgomery, Thomas Apucky. You might see him again. You're going to see David Peterson again, probably in the Colorado series. There's a lot. There's a lot of options internally. They're not great options, but... There are ways to get through this. You just need for him or DeGrom to come back within those six to eight weeks before this could get out of hand. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is big, and we're playing a lot of good teams coming A lot up. of good teams. But enough about the Max Scherzer pity party, because, I mean, we did have a series in which we took three or four from the Cardinals, who are a playoff team, good team. And as good as Max Scherzer is... He didn't pitch in every single game this series, no. and we were still able to get wins. He actually only pitched in one of them. Yeah, only, only one game from <laughs> Max Scherzer this series. Kind of crazy. Let's start off with game four, though, because yeah. that was the one that just happened, and it was probably the one of the more exciting games of the entire series. The entire series was a pretty great series of baseball. It was one of the most exciting games of the entire season. It was back and forth, lead changes, runs on both sides. Interesting managerial decisions, interesting strategic motives. There were just a lot of moving parts in this game. It turned out to be a really good, another really long baseball game. Yeah, what a team win, though. What a team win. I mean, start to finish, everybody seemed to do something well this game. And that was also something that they did the night before, too, Mm -hmm. where I think, what, almost every single person in the lineup had an RBI in last, in game three, I think seven of the nine players, yeah, seven, seven players, seven are of the good. nine players. So the Mets are playing a lot better baseball. And again, game four, it started off hot. Brandon Nimmo doing Brandon Nimmo things, getting on base Francisco Lindor, who all the absolute, I, I don't want to call you guys idiots because we like you guys listening to us, but please enough. I know Lindor isn't playing at an MVP level. And when you're paying a your guy $30 million, that's what you expect. I get it. I can see the thought process behind it, but you have to know that this isn't 1960 baseball. This is 1970 baseball. Just because Francisco Lindor isn't hitting what 284 like the guy tweeted yeah, you today, yeah, 284. Some guy today. I had a tweet that it didn't go viral, but got like almost 2,000 likes about me saying seemed like some Mets fans rude against Francisco Lindor, like they want him to be bad so they can like capitalize on a take that they hope, hopefully have gotten correct. He tweeted at me in all caps like oh, two days almost later. I want him to be hitting 284. So how I don't know how you settled on that number. So if you're listening to this guy who responded to me. How'd you find the two eighty four where's where where'd that another come from? please let me know like i I get it. I used to be a batting average guy, but as you learn as you start to watch more and more baseball, you realize that like yeah hits are hits are nice, but it's extra basic singles really aren't any different than uh, than walking and and that on base percentage is big, and Francisco indoor is one of the best on-base guys on base guys in the team now we're just going to a Francisco indoor diatribe, but listening on the radio today. Howie and Wayne will always do like a pregame thing with Buck Showalter, where they bounce questions off each other, and they say that they like doing that with Buck. He's yeah. a pretty fun guy. And they said that Buck came prepared to that little like meeting today with like some media people with tons of stats that Francisco Lindor is really good at so far in his team this year. Like, you know, going into this game today, it's still true after it. McNeil might have gotten ahead of him, but Lindor was second on the team in both RBIs and home runs. Yeah. That le- yeah, like one of the highest on base percentages on the whole team. Second in stolen bases on the team. Still playing great defense at shortstop. The guy's really good. That's not like for a bad team either. We are no. one of the five best teams in baseball right now. He had six home runs and 20, 22 RBIs heading into the day at the quarter point of the season. So that's on pace for 24 home runs and 88 RBIs. Which would be great for Francisco that's Lindor. That would be That's a good a really season good for anybody. But people want to see him hit 284 though of course you gotta hit 284 Got you're it. making 34 million dollars also mark and i looked back at this today because mark's roommate alex asked us if francisco lindor is playing to the worth of his contract and we both snap said no because it will seem like on the surface he's not really at playing as a 34 million dollar type player but we look back on fangraphs that has a dollars per war calculation for every player in the league and what their value is actually worth and francisco lindor in 2021 and statistically by far the worst season of his whole career was worth Thirty-three point nine million dollars, based on Fangraphs dollars per war calculation. One hundred twenty games. One hundred twenty games. Yeah, about well, one hundred twenty-five, one hundred twenty-eight. Yeah, not even full season. No. And so, he was basically worth what we pay him. Now, again, I'm sure the people that are against him are going to hate him. And also, what we just said is not going to make them... Not going to change anybody's mind, oh, the people by, who hate them, No, by no means. It's it's a thing. Like, people would rather be right than admit that they're wrong. And I just don't understand the Mets fans that want to root against Francis Lindor. He is here for the next 10 years. Why do you want to be miserable? We have so many things to be excited about. This is, like... This is nonsense. This is childish shit. He's also, like... People are—he's awful. He's hurting the team. That's just not true. Yeah, that's—that is patently incorrect. It's patently incorrect. He's better hitter than league average and significantly better fielder than league average. He is very valuable to a baseball team. It might not look the way you thought it was going to look. He's not Fernando Tatis. Yep. He's not Trey Turner. He probably at this point is not even Carlos Correa because Carlos Correa is just hitting tanks. Not this year actually. Carlos Correa is not really struggling that well this year. But he's not. I guess, I mean, maybe he was billed to us as such, as this elite-hitting shortstop who's going to be in an MVP conversation, but you could still be worth $30 million to your team without that being true. Yeah, and Lindor does, as I said, first inning, him, Nimmo getting on, and then Alonzo knock. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice way to start this game. Yeah, another cool thing I liked when this game began was that when Brandon Nimmo got that single and Mark Hanna was up, Buck Showalter put him in motion. I think what was the 3-2 pitch. Yeah, how did I forget? How did I forget Marky Cherios? Yeah, well, he, it was a ground ball. It wasn't yeah. a hit. well... Yeah, but Dakota Hudson is a ground ball merchant. He's a guy who has one of the highest ground ball rates in the league. He's the only thing that even keeps him in this league because his stuff isn't that good, and he takes 38 seconds literally it's between every single pitch. But so long. Knowing the ground ball tendencies with Canada at the plate, Buck sent Nimmo in motion, hit a ground ball to Arenado, would have been a double play, or at least could have gotten the force at second, then moved it over to the first. Didn't happen. Brandon was now standing on second base, so we had a man scoring position, and of course, it all ended up being the same because Francisco Lindor drew a walk the next batter, but. If we had a double play there in the second batter of the game, we'd have erased this whole inning. We wouldn't have had the chance to score the runs like we did. Yeah, so it was cool. That was good managing a Buck, Walt- Buck Showalter, getting this team to be aggressive early. They also got that sweet double steal, mm-hmm. which was nice. Getting aggressive with Andrew Kisner behind the plate. Uh, lot of, a lot of talk about Yachty not being able... Or you don't run on Yachty. As soon as Kisner got in the game, they seemed like we're like, yeah. we're we're running. And then Kisner ended up leaving the game a mm-hmm. little bit later. But yeah, it was a good way to start off the game. Felt good. Mets got runs yeah. again. Two runs in the, in first. the first inning, which it, just seems to be a theme with this team. This made it eight out of nine games where they've gotten a run the first inning. Yeah, that no, was great. It was a great start. Unfortunately, though, when we come out for the next inning big old home run from your boy Juan Yepes off Chris Bassett I mean absolute hanger and he crushed it Juan Yepes is a really good hitter I know he didn't have a great series by any means mm-hmm. but in game four do you go three for four I mean he's yeah, he pretty good. Like yeah he, I mean he just takes good at bats he seems like a very good ball player he does a lot of things well and you kind of just stick that guy put, put his locker right in between Paul Goldschmidt and Ar, Nolan Arenado and and next to Albert Pujols as well yeah just let them talk to each other there's like no doubt he's gonna become a good player and he he has all the tools it seems like he could do it Paul Goldschmidt continued to terrorize this yeah. series that dude is an absolute stud he just mm-hmm continues mm-hmm. to be one of the more underappreciated players i think in all of baseball just because he's just like kind of like a boring white guy i don't know there's no other way to say it he played in arizona and st louis yeah howie rose gave him a hall of fame shout out on the radio broadcast. dude i've been saying it for a while yeah. i think he's very much on track to be a hall of famer if he continues to play well as his career gets if older Va- if vado gets in he'll get in for sure i think he's better than vado but anyway i digress um <laughs> they got, i don't even remember who had a double whatever it was well there was a situation in i believe it was the top of the fifth inning where the Cardinals had a rally that wound up tying this game. It started out with a Tommy Edmund leadoff double. He was lead- he's leading off the innings, also lead leadoff hitter in this lineup. And for some reason, we talk about batting orders a lot in the way a team will structure a batting order. The Cardinals have Brandon Donovan, newly major- newly minted major leaguer Brandon Donovan, a guy who's an even older minor leaguer. He's like 27 years old, right? He's playing well, too. He's doing no, really it- well. Good ball player, for yeah. sure. It seems like he's the kind of guy who will stick on a major league roster and help out, but he's hitting second. And with a man on second, nobody out, in the fifth inning of a tie game, Olimar Marmol decided to put the bunt sign on for Brandon Donovan, someone who Codify said in over 1,000 minor league played appearance had never bunted. It's crazy. And for some reason, and again, the fifth inning of a tie game... Uh, as an away team, too. Yeah, with the fifth inning of a tie game, with the meat of your order behind you, the meat of your order being Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Aranato, and Juan Yepes, for some reason, you're trying to sacrifice an out there. And... Donovan quickly went down 0-2, failing to get two bunts down. He did make the play that was intended for him to make by hitting a ground ball to the right side, move the runner over, but this is an opportunity to have a big inning, and again, a tie game in the fifth inning. For your two-hitter. Yes. For your two-hitter, and this is what we talk about too all the time with lineup construction too, why we vouch that you need to have your best hitters hitting one, two, three in this lineup, is because there's really no world where your two hitter in a tie game with no outs like that should be bunting in the, just, in the fifth inning as the away team in the fifth inning. In the fifth no way! Inning. It was no so way. early in the game. If this was the eighth inning, maybe, and you want to squeak out a lead to get like to get your back of your bullpen in the mound. Like I could understand it a little bit, but in the fifth inning, you're giving up your shot at a at a big inning. And of course, right after the bunt, it didn't matter at all because Paul Goldschmidt laced the double. Yeah, the runner scored, and now Goldschmidt standing on second base. And then we did get out of it because Chris Bassett got Nolan Arnado and Juan Yepes, 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 Juan Yepez. I keep saying Juan Yepes, Juan yeah. Yepes. But if they didn't give us that first out. Of the the inning like there's what conservatively a 22% chance that Brandon Diamond just gets a hit yeah a 30% chance he just reaches base you're handing us an out yeah. you gave it to us that bunted attempt and just the idea that Brandon Diamond was updated give himself up that kind of saved the Mets here and kept them in this game early and only got the Cardinals ahead by one run for sure for sure and like Dakota Hudson of course like we mentioned he was in the game but luckily after yeah. this inning yeah we were able to knock him out because mm-hmm. he's just not good no yeah he's not good at all it started off with a loud Guillaume double who's just a great hitter OPS over eight hundred. 100 Dude, we were so cash money with King Louis. Yeah. I mean, he's. It took a year. It took a year. It took a year. But if you guys go back to some of the first episodes, I mean, go back to the season preview. Mm-hmm. We were hyping up Luis Guillorme, and he's doing the exact role we expect him to do last year, which is playing second, playing third, playing short, getting in the lineup, pinch hitting, and making an impact every single game. Mm-hmm. He's hitting the ball hard. He's yeah. getting on base. He doesn't strike out, and he plays great defense. This guy deserves to play every single day, and I think you can probably tell Buck's taking a liking to him because he's playing a lot more recently. Of course. There's no reason for him not to be playing. Statistically, right now, he's one of the best hitters on this team. Which is funny. It's like just so funny to say for a guy who nobody came into the year saying he would be one of the best hitters in this lineup. His, I mean, for all the old head, the batting average people, he's hitting over 300. Yeah. And he was, what, 0 for his first like, 11 this year yeah, before he, he shaved the beard? Yeah, once he shaved the beard, it all changed. It all changed, and you know what? I love that, too. That's a guy who's committed to yeah. the game. I mean, definitely a guy who's committed to the game. He didn't debut until he was what, 25 after being drafted at the high school. The yeah. guy's a grinder. He does so many tiny things well. And having him to bomb this order helps us move it around. And he eventually came around to score on a ground ball by Brandon Nemo. And then we had a little bit more of a rally. We ended up knocking to go to the Hudson out of the game with a Canada single, a Lindor single, Alonzo Walk, and Jeff McNeil a big two out RBS single. Something he made a real habit of, of doing this entire series. He's so sick, man. Sick. He's so back. He had a game today. A couple hits, I think, right? How many times is Mark going to say Jeff McNeil's back? I'm going to say it every single episode until the Mets win the World Series at the end <laughs> of the year. And then, if, and if they do, I'll say it next year to him. He's so back. Remember when people wanted him traded? Remember when that was the thing? The Mets were looking to trade Jeff McNeil. They were looking to see what they could get for him. It's just, it's crazy. It might have sent a message to him. And Listen, maybe it's what he needed. Maybe it's what he needed. We saw he was at the Rangers game yeah. too. Too. Him and Lindor had that little thing. They were sitting next to each other pounding beers. That's that's all I want. I want him and Lindor to be friends forever and be the middle infield for the future. Great. I mean, they are right now. I mean, the future. We'll see how long the future takes, but they're the middle infield right now. But something we talk about a lot in the show, too Chris Bassett, after the Mets took a rally, had a rally to take a two run lead. He had a shutdown inning, put the Cardinals down in order, and just kind of cemented another really good, solid, steady Chris Bassett start. He wound up getting kind of get worked out there for the seventh. He got knocked out, but. This is now in the wake of the Scherzer injury. Chris Bassett becomes a guy who we need to just protect with everything that we possibly have. Chris Bassett's our number one. He's our ace. Chris Bassett's our ace right now. I don't even feel that bad to say it. We should put this guy in bubble wrap, in between his starts, and make sure he is safe, healthy, okay. Don't even send him to Colorado. Don't let him Uh, get— Don't let him on the the plane. No, don't let— altitude altitude sickness that's like the worst thing that could happen right now don't let Chris Bassett go to Colorado just send him to San Francisco after this game I don't even like that that much listen just put him (laughs) in a nice hotel put him in a four seasons Oh yeah. let him be comfy room service whatever he wants Uh protect him at all costs absolutely and this was a game that was probably statistically under the hood one of Bassett's not so good games compared to the rest of the year only nine whiffs in this one very low mark for him but like just steady 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 he threw all six pitches again which is such a cool thing we've kind of seen him this year have some looks like Communication issues with whoever's catching, just going through signs over and over and over again, and I really think that's just because he has six pitches. Yeah, and there's so few guys in baseball who have six pitches. Like the Mets still run the traditional signs with fingers. How do you how do you signal the six pitch? Fist, I think. Fist, yeah. You, you do one, two, three, I think four. Fist five, is normally set. their pitch out, and then I think like thumb is usually pickoff. But well, we're using all those. Yeah, I have no idea. Six pitches. He's yes. throwing six pitches out there. It's hard for a catcher to keep. I don't even know pitch come out I have a six button. That's a really good point. I never right? even thought about. It. Maybe that's why he can't use pitch comm. There's yeah, There's too many pitches. Him in, does you Darvish use? It? We got to find out. Padres. Yeah, we'll take a look at that for the yeah. next episode. I actually know. Maybe we'll take a look at that for a few weeks before we play against guess yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be a cool series to go to. But everything was good for Bassett. Again, he threw the sixth inning and it looked good. He only had about ninety pitches after a very quick sixth the shut inning, like we mentioned. Tried to stretch him out for the seventh because his bullpen is just beleaguered after the, the double doubleheader from Wednesday. Bassett gave us what we needed, and that's very important. Yeah, and then I mean, kind of just jump to the ninth inning now, right? I yeah, mean, might as well jump to. The, ninth freaking oh god man harrison bader that dude's so annoying he's a solid ball player i don't think he's particularly great I he's think a good he's, ball player he's good he's, he's good. the kind of guy who he comes up you'd like you develop that guy internally and he comes up and you're just high-fiving each other because you you got gold glove defensive center field and the guy who's not a train wreck at the plate for free yeah he's he'd be a great nine hitter i'd yeah. love him to hit ninth in this lineup kind of i mean thing. he's like he's like every team has a guy like that like he's kind of like a yeah a little bit a little bit and he did a harrison bader thing just hit a little chopper in between, or it was like in third, between third right, and third. short, and he just, he just beat it out. Yeah. I mean, another doink. It felt like the Cardinals, if they weren't hitting home runs, were just dinking and doinking it all over the place, all series long. He ended up stealing second because Edwin Diaz is on the mound. He, just, he can't hold on, guys. It's just not a thing when he's got too much moving parts, and to be honest, I want him focusing on pitching the ball. I don't think Edwin Diaz throwing the ball first base. Have we ever seen him pick off? Maybe. Maybe one of those like step off, but then you like lollipop. <laughs> yeah, the lollipop over because I don't want to throw it away. Ground ball by Molina got him to third base, who had a annoying at bat because he's, of yeah. course, Yadier Molina. He threw a pitch at a slider and him, him and Edward had a nice laugh about it. Like yeah. in between the, uh, he, he literally threw his bat. The bat left his hands to make contact with a slider. We then got the huge K of Tommy Edmond on a pitch up and in on the zone for a called strike three, which is a spot you never see a called strike three. Nice on, call. It was a very nice was, call by the ump there. Yeah, huge, huge call, especially for a guy who doesn't strike out and just always puts the ball in play. And we're like, oh, Edwin, now you get to face Brendan Donovan again. Why are you hitting this guy too? two outs. No, he's playing well, but this lineup, it's crazy that Aaron and Goldschmidt don't hit two and three. Or even Yepes. Yeah, like it's criminal. It's criminal with how much good hitters they do have. And then he had four pitch walk to Donovan, and it felt like the the wind, the the air was being sucked out again. Kind of got that feeling of like, uh uh-oh. You got that feeling where if we leave this inning tied, I will be okay with it. Yes, and I mean, me and you were saying that. We yes. watched the game. We're like, if we get out of this 5-5, yeah. we're okay. We Which, just have to keep it 5-5. You were not saying that. I said we're, 5-5. We were talking about that in the 10th inning. ninth inning, you were like, we're letting a win get away. Yeah, I mean, I, I was nervous. I wasn't feeling great. No. I was very much like, okay, this is big for Edwin because we've seen him in these scenarios before, and he has a tend to snowball the mistakes and give up a huge inning, but Edwin's a different pitcher this year. We know yeah. that. And, you know, Goldie had a tough at bat. He ended up paying a soft ground ball to short or third right. base. Escobar booted it. That tied the game. And it was like, oh, man, so, so close. And again, kind of felt like everything got sucked out of the stadium. That was when the tie ball game happened. It was This was like the worst possible day to have an Edwin Diaz blown save. After people were ri- rallying against Francisco Lindor, after you learned that you weren't going to have Max Scherzer for probably about two full months. This is not... It was not a good day for Edmund Diaz to blow a save. No, it was not. He walked Arenado. Yes, control, control is very shaky for Edwin this inning. Once yeah. he struck out Tommy Edmund, once he got a gift, it's almost like the baseball karma went against Diaz for that, and then just he couldn't he couldn't find his strike zone. It almost seemed like he was also scared to throw his slider for a good quality ten pitches just because the man on third, like that is such a scary proposition, like... Blowing a save on a ball that's booted is rough. Yeah. If you would have blown a save on a wild pitch or a pass ball, like that's, you would have been beside yourself. That's the last so, thing I want to hear yeah, from that fans it, too. It, look, it, right? it looked like he would just seemed to be overthinking a little bit, and then whenever it overthinks, his mechanics are crazy, he just starts flying everywhere, all the limbs. But uh, he got the huge K of Juan Yapes. Third one's about in ninth, and we were feeling good because top of the order, but. It was just kind kind of easy. I mean, yeah. not great at bats by particular Nimmo hit the ball hard. Yeah, he hit Nimmo. the ball hard, but it was just right at somebody. It was at Brendan Donovan or Tommy Edmond, who was ever playing second base. And there's also another instance of where you see why you should do everything you can to have your best hitters at the top of the order. Because there's a chance if the Cardinals had gotten another run in this game and the Mets did go down 1-2-3 in the ninth, you would have left this game with Mark Hanna having a bat in a situation instead of Pete Alonso. Yeah. And we all saw very quickly later on how important an extra Pete Alonso at bat can be for a team. Yes, because after we went to extras, Colin Holderman gave up one, which is a pretty good that, job a for win. a guy who has been hanging out in the minors, going yeah. up against the Cardinals. And he very much looks good. Another good call by us. Yeah, he looks. He, he looks, looks like he could stick in this bullpen. Yeah, for sure. Like Miguel Castro, who we got. Heavy Colin weight. Holderman now, baby. Heavy fastball. Did a really, really good job. And then of course we start off the inning. Pete Alonso at the plate. Francisco Lindor on second. Bang. Walk-off home run, an absolute nuke, hit it up to the Coors Light skyline, Mm -hmm. which I was sitting in uh, for Game 3. Man, what a great ending to a day because, boy, oh, boy, did the Mets need it. Did Mets fans need it? I think for everyone's psyche, to win that game was really, really important, to not be like the sky is falling We we had a scenario where we lose Max Scherzer, Uh blow a lead. Edwin Diaz blows a game, and Francisco Lindor strikes out in the ninth inning to lose the game. And you would have blown a series. Yeah, and we would have blown winning a series. That would have been sky is falling, even though that would have been crazy. But you could see how that would happen. Luckily, we did not, and the Mets just roll on and get three or four right there. Absolutely. One of the quickest blown saves... Literally in the history of baseball. took like two pitches for Giovanni Gallegos to blow the safe. Which is awesome. Because it seems like Sick. the Mets see him really, really well. Incredibly well. Really well. And this was an interesting game too. Because both teams... I mean, I know we said dinked and doinked a little bit. I didn't even realize Well, the until Cardinals like... The late late rallies were dinked and doinked. But they were hitting the ball hard off fast. Yeah. 15 hard-hit balls. Mets had 13. Yeah. Almost every single player in both lineups had a hard-hit ball. Except the catchers. Andrew Kisner and Tomas Nito. No hard-hit balls amongst those two. Uh, Yachty, I don't think, had one either. Mm-hmm. but. Regardless, Mets win. Let's talk about the rest of the series now, though. Because there was, obviously, other games that went on. This was just the most recent one. It was a well-played series. All of the games were good. We had the doubleheader because of the day that it didn't rain that they very well... It rained a little bit. They they probably could have found a way to play, but what they said when they canceled it, like the language they used was they were worried about people coming to the park. Interesting. So like the people coming from Jersey, the people coming from Long Island, the storm hit worse in those areas. So while it didn't rain that much in Queens, I don't think they wanted to put pressure on people to come because they paid for a ticket already that's fair that's fair yeah. and i mean we did get the double header which i'm so tired of double headers oh, I, I thought we were done with them after last year yeah we might we might have another one coming up here yeah right too. saturday again oh awful and we had trevor williams on the mound for game yeah. one and of course trevor williams was kind of really good shout out to trevor williams and jake Green. yeah and jake reed those guys really were awesome in game one for us no those two guys combined for six inning uh, six innings i think eight strikeouts <laughs> like these guys were great trevor williams got the most whiffs i ever remember him getting in a game with the meth 12 11 of those 12 on his just 93 mile an hour fastball what, what's his deal i think it was just one of those days just one of those days where you're like it's a doubleheader it's early yeah and just trevor williams is throwing strikes i don't want to hit it but <laughs> hey he went out there for great four innings for trevor williams proud of buck for not trying to stretch him through to get to see the lineup again big yes big and then he did the thing that I was asking for him in the last episode, which was if you're going to have Jake Reed on the roster, in the fifth inning of the game, you have to use it. Get him in. And he did. Yes. And while it was a little shaky at the start, yes. Jake Reed ended up cleaning it up and having a really nice outing. Jake Reed's slider is like pretty good. He's just funky. He's yeah. funky. Something different, something that the Mets don't have in this, you know, plethora of pitching that we got. If you look at some of the smart teams in baseball teams we reference all the time, teams like the Rays, the Dodgers, the Giants, Milwaukee, they always all their relievers throw from a different arm slot. There's a cool visual that was put out, I think, by Codify a few years ago, or it might have been Drive Line, where it will show the raised bullpen, and they basically like transposed the raised bullpen onto a like they made a clock and they had a picture of every single raised reliever in the middle of their release. And it was basically they covered the entire clock. Like every single angle from, from both sides, do it. And that's what Jake Reed gives. And he got a very big strikeout of Nolan Arenado in the fifth with two men on and completed two scoreless innings. And these two guys, Trevor Williams and Jake Reed, two guys who most Mets fans would have not dreamed of them being near a game in the middle of May. Wound up de facto having a good start, six innings, no runs. We talk about creative player names all the time. These yeah. are two creative players: Jake Reed, names right Trevor here. Williams, yeah. for yeah. sure. <laughs> these are these are our creative players. Go play them would be the show right now. You can find these guys in the free agent pool, one hundred percent, and it's not the real players. No. <laughs> and now, given this, the circumstances we're going to be dealing with, we need more guys like this to step up. And this was a good um, step in the right direction. To use the word "step" twice in a row there for the Mets' pitching depth, as we are going to lean on them more than we have so far this year. Yep. And it was kind of like a, a fun little game too, because everyone was kind of pitching in. We had Jankowski having yeah. a big fielder's choice. Which was really mm-hmm. cool. The Dude's just—he's scrappy, man. He's scrappy and might be Shakira's favorite met. Did I think you see Shakira's that on Instagram. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, she posted pictures of when she came to City Field. I think last week. And the only picture that she posted of with a player was with Travis Jankowski. And she made a point to say met Travis Jankowski. There's two things that could have happened there. One, either Shakira was like, oh, this guy's tall. He has long hair. He's, he's blonde. Like, I like that guy. Or two, Shakira doesn't know anything about any baseball at all. And she was like, I want to be the player. And then they were like, ah. Uh, Travis, come here. He was just closest to then She's like, I got picture of Travis Jankowski. She thought he was like, a great player. Tell me Francisco Ledore and Starling Marte and Eduardo Escobar don't know. Shakira. I mean, I'm sure they do, but I'm sure they, maybe they weren't around. Like yeah, I don't know. That's I think possible. But, or, or you know, sometimes you kind of like what you don't have. She's it's true. She's married to PK. Yeah. Peak physical athlete. Yeah, peak physical athlete. Give me that skinny blonde white guy. Yeah, give me the surfer looking dude <laughs> yeah. over there. But yeah, Jankowski making an impact as he always does with the legs, mm-hmm. which is something that we've lacked forever. Mm-hmm. And then McNeil and Dom. Two big doubles, which were great for us in this game, especially because Dom, we've been mentioning, had been Mm -hmm. struggling a little bit, Mm -hmm. swinging the bat a little bit better. Yeah. A little bit. Incrementally better than what we had been seeing. So it was nice. We just got to Michaelis, got to him, got to the bullpen. You kind of got to him, but you didn't get to him as much as you kind of would have hoped to get to him. The first three innings, the Mets really had him on the ropes. First two especially... He threw over 50 pitches. Like You thought in the first game of a doubleheader that if you got to Miles Michaelis like that, a guy who the last time we faced him was really annoying because you felt like you could hit him, but you couldn't hit him, now felt like we were actually hitting him. You knock him out of the game, third, fourth inning, you're going to run ravage on a Cardinals bullpen. That's one game completely sacrificed. In the second game, you probably have an advantage. But he just... Freaking just got people out. He got through six innings. Kind of saved the Cardinals bullpen. Him and their bats lulled against Packy Naughton. Oh, yeah. my God. To have these two guys have completed eight innings in this game, save the Cardinals for the second game double doubleheader. Packy Naughton. Packy. Jeez. He's literally amazing. named after a liquor store. <laughs> Packy Naughton. Gross. On the bullpen side... Drew Chains gave up another home run. This was his third outing in a row with a home run, I believe. Yep. Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, it was a really good pitch. It was a bizarre home run. It kind of showed like the essence of what these new baseballs are and how to actually get it out of the park. Because Goldschmidt just kind of like threw the bat head on it. I don't remember if it was a slider or a fastball. Fastball outside. It was low. off the plate. Yeah, low. like low middle. Yeah, but Goldschmidt just got the head on it and it just kind of just soared through the air, like kind of cut through the afternoon air because it wasn't a very high ex- a launch angle, twenty four degrees compared to the one we talked about from from Pete Alonso being thirty two degrees. Same miles an hour, though, 102 off the bat, as Pete's from the other night. And just kind of like, just shot through the air and got out. Yeah. Which, in a three-run game, solo home run, not going to kill you. Maybe this could be a thing with Drew Smith now. He's starting to get more tape on him. He's really been only throwing those two pitches all year. He might be susceptible, susceptible to the home run ball, but it's all right. Solo home run. What are you going to do? Edwin Diaz made it interesting, but we got the W. It was cool. Two quick outs, and then two guys got on, and then he found it. But yeah, yeah he found it. It was good. Game one, in the books, got the W. Game two... We were at the bar. We were watching this. Mm -hmm. Shout out to our boy, Drew. It was his birthday. Mm -hmm. So we're getting some drinks, and I had the best chicken tenders of my life at this place. Very not... Gluten-free, friendly bar. Yeah, so we won't shout it out, but I will say the chicken tenders were bomb. Because it was a good bar in general. I'm not going to say it wasn't a good bar. And, yeah. and these guys were raving about chicken tenders, which was just making me die inside. I love chicken tenders, but no gluten-free options, like, basically in the whole menu. So, we were watching game two, and it was just, it was annoying from the start. I mean, Yeah, just one of those games. Everything about it. I mean, we are facing Steven Matz, who I hate. I hate Steven Matz. Good guy. Hate yeah. him as a baseball player. Boy, did he stink for us, but... The fact that we weren't really able to get to him. We got the home run early from Mark Canna because Mm -hmm. Marky Cheerios crushes left-handed pitching, especially at Citi Field. Max Reed and Steven Matz now. is crushing the left-handed pitching. And then that just, like, it kind of was... That was it. We had the home runs, which is weird because we don't normally hit them. This game was weird for the Mets because we, like, very much didn't deserve to win it, but we also really... Easily could have. Yeah, the Cardinals outhit us. They played a better game, I think, by all aspects. Yeah, but the it. Cardinals also were just kind of getting those cheapo hits. Like they had, I think it was five or six infield hits in this game. Yeah. One that we'll talk about in a few minutes, infield hits that actually won them the game. But kind of like you said, the solo home run in the first, another first inning run, because we do it every single freaking game. It's ridiculous. And Royal Escobar hit solo in the fourth, and we only got one other hit off of Steven Matts. We only had five hits in the game total and three off of Steven Matts, and he cruised. Seven Ks? Like he looked good. You know was kinda of cool though? The fact that he pitched well against the Mets, and I feel like I didn't hear much about it. Yeah, because oh. there's so many things in the series. Yeah, people complain about Lindor in yeah. this game. That's why. But also, do you want to something that's really gonna suck? Yeah, hit me. Steve Mass pitched two games against the Mets this season, and the Cardinals won both oh jeez why you got don't put that out into the internet don't <laughs> tell anybody that are the only two they want <laughs> Shh, no, stop you've got a secret don't let people know that the two games that the cardinals won were when Steven matt's pitch don't tell them that oh man i shouldn't have said that we're keeping it in there though. yeah i know yeah. i would i would cut, I would cut it but i had have too much pride it was good content it was good content it was good content if anything we we're unbiased of course unbiasedly biasedly unbiased yeah of course of course. We and love the Mets, but we're still real, real people. For sure. And so- on our pitching side, Taiwan did his Taiwan thing. Yeah. Not many whiffs, 4Ks, lots of hard contact. I just think... I mean, we've been saying it for a while now. That's just Taiwan. He's not the all star pitcher that we saw last year at the start of the year. I don't know how many times we have to say this, but I think people are starting to understand that Taiwan is very much a depth piece in this rotation. But that also doesn't mean that he's bad. Like now, with the fact that Taiwan Walker is going to be like a three or four star in this team, like he's at least going to go out there and work. He's going to throw innings. And something big from Taiwan that kind of gives me some confidence, at least in the immediate future for him, was that his uh, split change was very, very good on Wednesday. It's kind of like a make or break pitch for him because he doesn't really have. An elite, I don't know, like his repertory, his, his pitch mix is an elite, like his pit, the mo- pitch movement is an elite. There isn't anything that you watch Taiwan pitch and you're like, oh, that, that's a mind blowing pitch. But this splitter kind of can do that. Split change, not splitter, it can do that. The way it just dives out of the zone. It was the second most thrown pitch over 30% of the time, and it got six whiffs on 11 swings. It was useful against righties and lefties. This is something where Taiwan Walker is going to step up over these next six to eight weeks, have an ERA under four, pitch deep into games. Pitched even the games against good teams, he's going to have to lean on that split change. And it was, I was happy to see him using it so so liberally here yeah the whiffs that he gets on it really does help yeah. expand the outcomes that he can possibly have as a pitcher yeah especially also because now he just doesn't throw the two seamer anymore the pitch that kind of carried him last year I don't know if that was something a feel with the pitch some maybe just eventually got figured out and he didn't want to throw it anymore but he's not only his four seam fastball sliders and that split change so he did, he pitched well enough to win this game Cardinals got to him and they especially got to him the third time around the batting order in the fifth inning which in a perfect world you wouldn't want Tywin Walker to see a batting order for the third time but in this new world he's going to have to and it's going to be be it's going to be the make or break in a lot of the games on whether or not Taiwan Walker can get hitters out for a third time yeah uh, Mets. you can't blame the Mets it was after the no no header. of course yeah. I don't blame the Mets I don't blame Taiwan Walker You're in a double header you have to throw him out there and see what you can get done but especially a lineup that's so talented at the top like the Cardinals with four of their top five hitters being like significantly better than league average like this is going to happen, but yeah. we still play chances to win. Still a lot of to win this game. Yeah, especially when Andre Pallante, who that's yeah. a name that I've heard a lot this week, which is kind of weird because I've never heard of him before. Andre Pallante, that is not a creative player name. No. By any means, but he's bad. Sounds like a sommelier. He's not very good. No, he's not good at all. <laughs> not impressed with him, especially in his first appearance where he walked three straight batters in the sixth and put us right back in the game before Eduardo Escobar had just a bad at-bat. After three consecutive walks, Eduardo Escobar struck out on three pitches. Yeah. It's almost impossible. It to was do that. bad. Yeah. It's just like when he strikes. We talked about this at the bar. Yes. When he when he's like has when he's not going. I don't even know how to how do I explain this in a slump. When he's in a slump. Yeah, that's the best way to say. it. His bad at-bats are, like, brutally bad. Yeah. Brutally, brutally it kinda, bad. It's kind of like, hey, there's like Eduardo Escobar. I like this. When you're in a slump, your aggressiveness is almost used against you. Yeah. Because you're so, like, keyed up to try and get a hit, try and break out of it. He had he did get a couple hits in the series. He didn't got look, a home run in this game. Yeah, he got a home run in this game. He had a sack fly in game three. He didn't look as bad in the series as he did the last one, so there's improvement there. But when you're someone who's as... Aggressive as, as Escobar, and you're in an RBI situation, in a lot of RBI situations, because the top top of the, this Mets order gets on base at will. Yeah. they have a lot of guys who live on base. It's it's pretty nice to see and nice to watch. Good lineup construction in a way, but he just he seems very very ready to make an impact, and pitchers can prey on that or not even might not even be intentional. This guy Palante just couldn't find his own and just set Escobar down. It was a little set, upsetting. Yeah, a little upsetting. Kind of killed us, and then we got a good rally in the eighth. Lindor walk because Lindor's a pretty good player and yeah. he just he gets on base. He's walking, I think, thirteen percent of the time or twelve percent of the time, something around that. It's probably which, significantly more after like six walks in the last two days. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He what went eight of his last nine after this game. Yes, after this game, and then the first at-bat of the next game. He was on base eight consecutive plate appearances. Which was awesome. Yes. That was absolutely awesome. We tried to get another rally, another strikeout by Escobar. On three pitches again. Late in the game. He back to back at bats with two men on. The first one was bases low. This one was two men on. Struck out in three pitches. Struck out in three pitches. But then we did get a pass ball, and Jeff McNeil got a hit, because Jeff McNeil's awesome. Jeff McNeil's back. Two out. Single. He was. He's the man. That's what yeah. Jeff's going to hit singles all year long. Yeah. I mean, we're. And he'll, he'll get his double down the line. Live. Might hit a home run or two. Sure. Maybe in Colorado this next week. Don't care. Which would be great. But he's really back to the way that he was playing before, and I love it. And it helps his team so much to have that depth in the lineup where he's just going to constantly put the ball in play and get hits. And now suddenly we're looking at a game where you're facing the Cardinals, who had about I think double digit hits at this point. A starting pitcher who pitched very well, and you just tied the game on some cheapo stuff. Like, this is this game where it's like, yeah, I can, we can steal this game against the Cardinals. We can lock in our first two wins in this series in one day and a doubleheader. You're cruising. Everything's crystal clear. But we gave it right back in the top of the ninth inning. Yeah, wasn't happy about Joe coming coming out for the next inning. No. Well, Joe Rodriguez just has a backtrack here. He came in in the seventh and got the Mets out of a jam, got Tommy Edmond to ground out with two on. Felt good. Yeah. But again, you're in a doubleheader. You got to stretch things out. And Joely Rodriguez came back out to face the very right-handed, heavy middle of the Cardinals order to start the eighth, ninth inning. That's oh, so I say went back in the seventh four. That was the eighth. So my yeah. bad, guys. But another time where Brandon Donovan's up and you're like, this is a gift. We can start this hitting off with an out because Brandon Donovan is a, is a triple quadruple A player. Be, look good the series, though. But he's not up to the caliber of most two hitters and not up to the caliber of other guys who could be hitting second in this lineup. Joely walked him yeah. to lead off the ninth inning. And when you, lead off, when you walk guys to lead off innings they all very often come around to score, especially in situations like this, especially against fundamentally sound teams like the Cardinals who play good baseball. And this walk was especially annoying because the strike zone was very much moving around on Joeli. It seemed like whoever was the umpire in this game was not exactly consistent because no. there was a large period of this game where pitches about an inch off the edges were being called, and suddenly they were not being called anymore, and he did miss a ball in the corner. So, Joely didn't pitch up to the standard that we expect of him so far. I think most Mets fans are now also back to level on Joely, especially after Miguel Castro's finally had some rough outings for the Yankees. Blue game against the Orioles, the classic Miguel Castro special, two yep. walks and a big hit. But this was disappointing, and it's very sad when you walk a guy like Brendan Donovan with... Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado coming up next. And he did a decent job after that. Like, he was able to kind of get through the middle of the order a little bit. Adovino ends up coming in, though, to face Arenado. What did he do to Arenado? Struck him out. Struck him out. Yes, yes. Struck him out. I think, dude, this game feels like so long ago. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels like well, these four game series ones. Yeah, game the first day of the series I feels know. like a month ago. Literally, and that was only even only it wasn't even a full four days ago. No, it was three days ago yeah. but four baseball games. Oh my goodness! But yeah, I mean, I, the reason I forget about that though is because the play that really mattered and was the biggest one was the Tyler O'Neill doink shot to Eduardo Escobar, a dribbler. Yeah, that he couldn't field cleanly, couldn't get the ball out of the glove. O'Neill, who is fast, very fast, the first good athlete. And, we go down 4-3, and that was just like, oh. Yep. We had a chance to get out of a really rough inning with no damage. Mm-hmm. and a tie game going into the ninth. Instead, down 4-3, to three, mm-hmm. and that's all of a sudden, you know, you're like, it's the difference between being ready to try to win this game and then backs are up against the wall. Yes, backs up against the wall. And we came up for the ninth inning against Giovanni Gallegos, a guy that he's a good closer, but he's not a great one. He's not a closer you really fear. He's a closer you can get after. Travis Giancowski grounded out to lead off the inning. Dom Smith walked. Luis Guillorme singled. And now we had some juice. We had the top of the order here, ready to rock, and we had two men on. Marcana struck out swinging, and then Francisco Lindor struck out swinging to end the game. And that bat that has angered Mets fans as angry as I've seen them in recent memory. Yeah, oh, people were ready to, I mean, cut Francisco Lindor. They yeah. were treating him like he'd been playing like Robinson Cano. Yeah, also it was, like, right after Marcana also struck out swinging. Yeah, and also we had like the weird Nimo injury where he he fouled one off his knee, right? Or hit? Yeah, he fouled one off yeah, his yeah, knee yeah. and then tried to run to first, and he left the game. That's why Guillermo was hitting him in one spot for him. It was just like the fact that Lindor struck out was not the reason we lost this game. Like The Mets still got outplayed in this one, I like to say, especially because the Cardinals had 10 hits. The Mets had four, I think, in this, five. So... To really dog Lindor for this, it's very similar to, like, the A-Rod treatment, I will say, of, mm-hmm. like, you can really cherry-pick when he doesn't succeed, but it yeah. seems like everyone seems to forget when he does. Yes. And Lindor, for the most part, still succeeds a lot more than he does. For sure. just It's just really the batting average. Yeah. That's it's really what it is. He it's gets on base a ton. He's getting home runs like we saw. Yeah. He's playing great defense. Again, the throws mm-hmm. are right back to normal. He said he was dropping sidearm a little bit too much, and he's cleaned it up, and the throws yeah. have been great. Looks I mean. Good. He's going to strike out, guys. He's going to strike out. He can't get a hit every single time in a big spot. And the irony is that if the Mets just would have gone down one, two, three in that inning, the situation never would have come up, and no one ever would have talked about it. It's just the fact that the Mets actually did have a little mini-rally in the form of a walk-in-a-single to get the tying run to scoring position to go ahead right on base. That would put Francisco Lindor in a situation where he could have made a big play. He just did it. Hit a strike out. It's baseball. Like, that's it. That's how it works. Even if you're one of the best hitters in the league, you're failing 70% of the time. Yeah. You got to get over it. Got to get over it. Got to get over it, especially for a guy who will continue to tell you is good. And I will say it's super funny that we had the one fan reach out to us, Wick sacks. Wick I'm going to call you out, dude. You're like, tell me he's good, but don't give me any of those analytics stats. I don't, I don't know what to say then. What do we tell you? What he's do you like, there's hear? something wrong with the eye test. I'm like, that's just your eye then, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. If you, I Don't want he- Don't tell me numbers. Tell me why he's good. You're like, uh, Well, numbers back up why he's good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's good, guys. I'm sorry. He yeah, struck out to end this game. It would be nice if he got a hit, but he's good. He's good. He's good. Now let's move on to game three. The boys were in attendance. Mm-hmm. We're at BP. Mm-hmm. Could be could be cool. Could be cool if you're watching the YouTube video here. The eyes are big. The eyes are big. It's the eye emoji. Eyes emojis. Keep that in mind. We just put pictures on Twitter with players. Adam Atavino. Dom Smith, maybe a few more. Kind of cool. Maybe something's cooking in the works. You guys will find out hopefully soon here. Hopefully, <laughs> but let me t- yeah. Hopefully, my goodness. But let me tell you this: when the boys are in attendance, specifically together, if yeah. we come separately or we are sitting in different areas, something happens. But when we're together, the Mets hit. The Mets hit, and that's exactly what they did this game. They were absolutely smacking it around, and with Max Scherzer on the mound. You always feel good when the Mets can score some runs with him on there. It almost feels dirty to talk about this game as like a Max Scherzer start. Now, I know. knowing what we know and going through 45 minutes of this podcast with that. Do we even want to talk about Let's just. I mean, we'll I will briefly mention him. You already brought it up, but like. I'm not breaking him down. I'm not breaking no. down the yeah, start. Of yeah, course yeah, yeah. not. He's not we'll, pitching for six weeks. We'll allude to Max Scherzer, but we can't talk about this game as like a Scherzer's day, which I tweeted. That was probably me. I jinxed it. Sorry. I tweeted with him. Yes, me. That was on me. I'm sorry, guys. But this game, we did get the hits, but it was very tight early. We score the first inning run because that's what we do. Every yep. single game. We actually got two. Nimble got a walk. Canada got a single. Lindor had an early strikeout also with Men I know. And people were freaking out in the stands. Just like hearing the murmurs of the olds, like hanging out in the stands. People were pissed. Dude, especially because he walked up to Happy by Pharrell, yeah. which was definitely a little troll job. Big but, troll move. But also I could see Lindor being like, I need to stay positive. And this is about the most positive song ever. It's also top five worst song of all time. I think he did it fully as a troll. Think so? I hope so. I hope so? I hope so. I hope he doesn't like that song because like anyone who... Likes to listen to Happy by Pharrell. Like, there's almost something wrong. There's You're almost, hiding. There's something. almost no way Pharrell likes that song. He can't. That was a. I need to make some quick money fast. That's like, not even Pharrell's like top fifty songs. It's gonna be like hundred in a movie like The Smurfs or something. Yeah, what no, I think like, it was Despicable Me. Yeah, just oh yeah, it was Despicable Me. Yeah. He had a big check. That's what that <laughs> yeah, was. Fat check. Get a Lindor check. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> thirty million. Take it. Uh, do you think Pharrell got more or less than a thirty million dollar check for that song? I know that song probably made him more than thirty million in total. But you think just to use the rights to that song is more or less than one Francisco Lindor season? Oh, people are gonna man. people are gonna hate this argument. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I I think it might be more. I think it might be. It might I, be, think 50 it might be I think it might be fifty. That's where like I was like a Benny Blanco check. Yeah. Oh man, it must be great to be musically talented. It yeah. must be great to have a talent besides talking about baseball. Also amazing that like guys like that can still be really talented and be able like to sell out when yeah. they want and yeah. just make tons of money and then go back to actually doing what they like to do. Yeah, he's a very successful musician. Oh, of course, Pharrell's incredible. Great producer. One of the best. Great producer. His his album with Nerd from like two thousand two, amazing rap album. But uh, keep talking about baseball. Yeah, yeah, let's keep talking about baseball Lindor struck out McNeil two out RBI though two run two out single baby that's all he does He's did like literally three separate times this series so there was a stat coming into one of the games I don't remember what it was maybe it might have been last series but with, in two out situations with runners in scoring positions at one point McNeil was like nine for nine or ten for ten Make and driving sense. in the run. I almost don't believe you. No, I'm serious. <laughs> and then it happened again, and like he got out once. And then this series, it felt like every single time the runners in scoring position, he just put the ball in play and scored him. He got out a few times in game four, got in scoring position. Remember with that anywhere, um, I think it was Andre Plante was like basically playing goalie on the mound? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like three straight balls hit him. Oh, yeah, that wasn't his fault. He hit the ball well. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, he it hit, one was ball. in the foot, one was in, like the shoulder, one was in the like the hip. Yeah, no, he was he was scol- scorching the ball. So it was a great start. Yeah. Early, again, getting runs. But how about Pujols? The pesky 48-year-old man. Yes, 48 years old. He's not 43. There's absolutely no chance. No. 48-year-old man just smacks the ball down the line. Two runs right back. I almost like wasn't even mad. It was just like, a good piece of hitting. I think it was an outside slider or cutter from Scherzer. Also, like the last time me and you will probably in person never see Albert Pujols play. Probably, so, you yeah. know, like eh, We won this game, so now no, yeah. in retrospect, I can say that was pretty cool. Yeah, seeing Albert Pujols up close. Like We had a chance to see him really up close. And Mark and I kind of both showed ourselves a little bit before the game, but we didn't. But just, like, seeing him just, like, take a pitch, like, down the first base line. Pete was playing him off the line. Also funny, like, the ball got down the line. Albert just, like, going to first, like, with his waddle, like he does now in his old age. Like, he's not freshening up the two. No. Oh, hell no. He's so slow. Yeah. But like also this inning wouldn't even have happened. These runs would not have scored if not for another Eduardo Escobar misplay at third, a bad throw. Yeah. It was a be- it was behind the bag. It wasn't an easy throw. It was a tough luck error, but I would like to make that play. It was a leadoff ground ball, and that kind of opened up this rally for the cards. That's something that when Eduardo Escobar's not working at the plate, you hope he can do yeah, it yeah, defensively yeah. for you. And it's also the kind of thing where he's not working at the plate. Everything will everyone will really know this that more so. Like John Yoskremsky, one of the oh, Jesus. Can I say one of the dumbest people on television? John Justremski. Justremski. Yeah. Who cares? Pronounce his name wrong. I don't care. Yeah, he's an idiot. John Justremski was just railing against Eduardo Escobar's defense, and Eduardo Escobar generally is a good defensive player. He did make multiple misplays in this series, and that's not, the guy's not going well. The guy's not going well. But just like when you when a guy like John Justremski doesn't seem to watch the games like super closely, he's like harping on Eduardo Escobar's defense. Like you know that he's a guy who's popularly bad right now. Dude, he's a fucking Yankees fan talking about the Mets game because he's not good enough for yes, even. Like I mean, I just I don't want to hear this guy. Good opinion. enough for the ringer somehow. Yeah. I well it's uh, a ringer Ugh, whatever They're, I don't really care about the ringer either I mean they'll be mean to them they could be I mean the, the ringer picks off podcasts left and right I think we'll be alright <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't get that <laughs> <laughs> But I can't – Yeah, as soon as we start hearing his voice, we had to turn that off. Yeah, so you, yeah. you definitely lose IQ points listening to John Jastrzemski talk baseball. Definitely. But back to the game here. It just sat 2-2 for a while after that pool hit. hit. Both pitchers pitch well. Jordan takes us to video game stuff. It was kind of frustrating, again, just not to hit him. But he also does this weird thing where, he, like, you know how – pitching they always talk about like first pitch strikes are so big because you always see like yeah. players performance OPS it drops every time you're behind the count it just drops it drops it drops he throws almost no first pitch strikes he was sitting at like 25 percent first pitch strikes in this game I just don't understand the fact the Cardinals have very solid triple-a pitching depth they had Matthew Libertor who after the game the announcement was called up amazing that the Mets took three or four from the Cardinals they brought their two best prospects up right away sick that's sick because those guys would have been locks to be lights out against us absolutely and also just shows that they're now pressing a little bit they're like oh we lost a big time season series to the Mets so that we have to make some moves. We've never we've never made the Cardinals sweat, I think. In our no, lives. I think Howie actually said it was the first time since like either 2005 or 2001 that the Mets beat the Cardinals five times in the same at least five times in a single season. Yeah, which hell yeah, let's do it. Let's keep rolling here. Absolutely. But Hicks came out of the game. We got to a nice little rally off the Cardinals pen. Pete had RBI single. Escobar had a sack fly, Dom had a nice little single, messed up on for Dom, guys talk to the messed up podcast, they play well immediately after, yep. it's, it's tried and true, it's just science guys, I'm sorry, and there was a very sweet old school Luis Guillorme safety squeeze to get, to get another run in and, and stretch the lead out to four. So It's so nice having I, he's so yeah. fun, he's so fun. You know Buck loves Luis Guillorme. Like his son. Luis Guillorme would be a Hall of Famer if he played in 1950. And that guy reminds me of myself. Ozzie yeah. Smith made the Hall of Fame, remember that. <laughs> and that's my Ozzie Smith slander for today. Yeah. Then the Scherzer injury happened. You know all about it. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Mm-mm. It stunk. Mm-hmm. It was it was awful. It was terrible, and it felt like a gut punch. But Ottavino came in, got a huge K, got Pujols out after two men on another messed up bump. Another messed up bump. The <laughs> messed up bump is real, and we got a little scary. Yeah, when Nolan Arenado hit an absolute bomb off of Seth Lugo. Bomb. You, you he had to do something to the Mets this series. He, he's too good not to. We really squashed the whole fight thing. It seemed to not even be relevant at all in the series. There were a couple hit by pitches warnings given out. Yes, but. It just seemed like both teams were trying to move past it. There was also that moment that we didn't mention between Stubby and Pete. Yeah. I'm like, Stub- Mr. Clap? Yeah. Mr Wait, clap. what's more embarrassing, Stubby or Mr. Clap? It's all pretty bizarre. Mr. Pretty clap bad. sounds like someone with chlamydia. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's got the clap. He's yeah. literally the all clap. Right. So Mr. Clap and Pete gave each other like a kind of a bit of a head nod. I kind of wish Pete would have almost even given him more of a cold shoulder. Kind of sick they got the home run to end the series. Now, thinking about it. big high five five. episode that is a sick way to end yeah i forgot about that they didn't even think about the story because they really squashed the storyline yeah seemed also this be these big home games for the mets like they didn't really lean into it like whether that's a good thing or a bad thing it's not but it was a choice and seemed like they didn't want to make that the relevant part of the series well it's kind of even cooler that we kind of just like handed it to them this year big time seven games we won five of them that's kind of the best way to squash the beef we just beat your ass yes which is awesome which is awesome pitching was well and then we blew it all open again right yeah. after that Aaron Otto home run, which was sick because a great response. Yes to what could have made the game feel a little bit tight. It was a lead that was cut from four to two, and your favorite guy, Frank Fleming. Did you see the tweets from him from during this game? No, I don't follow Frank. Well, he just, every single time, something kind of bad happened to the Mets, not including the Scherzer thing, because he was right about, because, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. He was like, spiral, game's ending, game's over, we're done, over. And then the Mets <laughs> just hilariously broke us open for what? Like, seven runs? Yeah, no, five by- runs here? Yeah, Mets win by seven. 11 yeah. to four is the final score. Patrick Mazzica, who- Five runs in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, Patrick Mazzica, who. Might be a good ball player. Might be a good ball player. Might, might know how to hit a little might bit. Might know the how Duke to hit. Can swing the bat. He put a ride into one early in this game. He hit a double down the line later on. The guy can swing it, but he hilariously, when this inning began, we got the leadoff man on. I don't remember who it was or how they got on, but I distinctly remember Patrick Mizeka bunting. Yeah, which is kind of exactly what we were making fun of the Cardinals for in Game Four this series. But Mizeka's the nine hitter, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure, not the two hitter, but just hilarious that we ended up scoring five runs this inning and we gave up and out. Yeah, no, it, it was funny, but then Nimo. The triple down the line, which yeah. is great because he just he loves he loves hitting it down the line. Now he's really perfected so good. that. We got the can of single, Lindor walk. This is of course midst Lindor getting on base nonstop, and then the Alonzo absolute bomb, smoked it. And that was really the ice or the cherry on top of this game. Mets just dominated the Cardinals late in the game, mm-hmm. and win eleven four. And as you guys know, we win the series three to one, five to two on the year. Yeah, took the Cardinals down, gave ourselves a very nice cushion against them. As we will likely compete with them for a playoff spot, like we said over and over again. And it just feels good to be the, be the good team. Like, Carl's are a good roster. They have deep team. The pitching is not exactly something that you should be scared of, and we said that going in, and we hit them as well as basically could have hoped. Yeah, and I mean, especially now with losing Scherzer and not having to Grom, any games, they're big, now. they're big now. Yeah, you These got games, you drags scratch and claw to get these wins big big wins we do have to figure out who's going to fill that spot though for Scherzer I don't think we're going to take too long on this but maybe just throw out some names for some Mets fans that we could maybe look to I think the real one that everyone wants and this is going to be a pipe dream but it's going to be crazy Frankie Montas of the Oakland A's that would yeah. probably be the number one guy I want he'd cost so much so much in the trade right now just because once the season begins and teams have needs like everyone in Major League Baseball knows right now the Mets are desperate for a starting pitcher yeah it could not be more obvious so like you're they're gonna make you pay a lot to get one so I think more than getting an ace right now the Mets probably if they do look in the trade market, and I would like to break this down probably in depth Sunday because I mean knock on wood I'm sure this Rocky series isn't gonna have a lot of like specific game breakdowns for us yeah. to do but guys on one-year deals like Mike Minor, you threw out some names before who yeah, well, uh, Nathan Evaldi's got a year Nathan left. Nathan He's, he's going to cost a little bit more. Yeah, too. He's very good, though. So he'll be an expensive rental. Michael Waka. Michael Walker as awful and disgusting as that sounds. I mean, a lot of the guys that I think are probably the most realistic where the Mets wouldn't get fleeced, you know, quote unquote fleeced in a trade. How much better are they really than the guys that could step up for the Mets? And we kind of have to see what we have at some point. Yeah, especially like they signed Trevor Cahill. He's going to go to Syracuse. He'll probably get a spot start eventually. Mike Montgomery's been pitching down in Syracuse. Old Wiley lefty who was on the Cubs for a while. He has a really good K-minus walk rate right now in the minor leagues. He's going to do well. A name that we've talked about a lot, Jose Budo, is pitching very well for Binghamton. He's got to get a chance at some point. At some point, it's either you move him up to triple A or you just keep throwing him out there right now. He probably doesn't have enough stuff to get through a major league lineup even two full times. One of these double headers though, that could be coming yeah, up, maybe. That he's Yeah, just, he's just 27th man. Just see what you got. He has a good fastball with a good shape, and he has a very good changeup that's a plus pitch. There hasn't been a very lengthy track record of guys who are young coming up without lead velocity and with the leading secondary as a changeup who have been very good, but fuck it, maybe that means we're due. Yeah, It's a plus changeup, and his fastball is in good shape, and at least league average velocity. Like He could be good enough to get 9 to 12 outs. Talking with a friend of the podcast, Matt Eddie too, right, who said Adonis yep. Medina could be a guy, maybe? Who gets stretched out here. And then Thomas DePucky, his name we'll probably see again. He's actually had good results AAA this year. Yeah, so, I mean... There's probably not any, we could, we could, you know, it's get, not sexy. It's not sexy. We could do the clickbait thing. We could say Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas, Frankie Montas, Kyle Hendricks, Nathan and yeah, Nathan Evaldi. Uh, maybe we will later, but in this episode, <laughs> we're kind of still mourning the loss of Max Scherzer yeah, and we just, six to eight weeks. And you can't really, you just can't make a trade right now. Someone's going to just bend you over. As they should. Yeah, nobody's good business. Nobody should be trying to help no. out the Mets. I mean, like some of the fun names we threw out there, Bruce Zimmerman. I'd love some Bruce Zimmerman here. Jordan Lyles. I mean, I, those are fun names. Imagine saying that's that. that's not fun. Name. Those aren't fun names. Lyles has been good this year. <laughs> He's been okay. He's been fine. He's In been fine. Big ballpark. We got a big one here too, so we got that. I mean, the real name that's going to have to step up and it's going to have to be very good is David Peterson. Yeah, the messy David Peterson to pitch like a three four rather than a five six right now. And there's a chance he can do that. It's not definite. I don't know if he will, but. He is the guy who the most is going to fall on his shoulders, especially while Tyler McGill remains on the IL. And we've also had no timetable for him whatsoever. Right? No, nothing. Nothing. I mean, there's some names that, like, we could throw out there. I mean, Felix Pena has started before. Just has. for the Angels in the past. Um, I mean, Tommy Hunter's a bullpen guy. He can go but two, could two, go two like, or three innings. Yeah, two or three innings. I think Yancey could go probably two, two or, three or three innings as well. Yeah. So it might just turn into more of trying to find guys to eat innings as opposed to trying to find that next starter. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to stink. These next six to eight weeks, especially with who we're playing, are going to be mm-hmm. tough. Hopefully, one of the guys who gets this opportunity does step up, like Trevor Williams did this series. Yes, and like David Peterson did early in the year. There's a, those two, we're going to see those two guys a lot, and I think that there is a reason to believe that they can at least be competent and keep this train moving in the right direction now we do have our next series coming up here the seven line will actually be out in colorado so yes. if you guys are there as mets fans if you live in colorado i don't know what percentage of our listeners live in colorado probably very few or if you're just going out there with the seven line yeah or if you're going out there with the seven line go have some fun i've heard coors field is a beautiful stadium it's an a awesome great place, to a place to watch a game great area too there's like a whole strip of bars and breweries right next to coors field it's a great place to hang out yes if i was a little bit less busy i would have loved to go to colorado yeah, and hung but out of course i'm also happy that we didn't commit to it because the weather is Going to be horrific in Colorado this weekend. Yeah, it was. It's 80 ish, right? Today? And on t- Thursday, yeah. And tomorrow, when the series is supposed to start. Blizzard. Blizzard. Skiing weather. How did they not put a roof on that stadium? I don't know, man. That's I, like criminal. Dick Monfort's not really one to spend. Stupid organization. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, really? he just promoted his son to be the president, the president of development yeah. and player operations or whatever. Bad, bad organization. That being said, they're not playing particularly bad baseball this year. I mean, they can hit a little bit. They can swing. Not at home. Rockies play well at home. Rockies play well at home. And of course, we don't have the greatest pitching right now. Our pitching is a little bit weaker. And of course, in Colorado, runs get scored like crazy. But I almost think that's better. Yeah, for any for a series you're going into where like oh the Mets don't have any pitching right now, it's like let's just go to Colorado and try to score ten runs. First yeah. to ten wins, definitely, definitely. We'll be getting Marte back too, who's on bereavement leave, mm-hmm. so he'll be back for the series as well, which is nice because he was scalding hot in the month of May. What are the pitching breakdowns? I think there's going to be a lot of TBDs. I feel like in this one, only not really. Actually, everything is set on both sides. Friday okay. night, if the game goes off, I'm assuming it's not going to because the weather for Friday nights especially bad. It's supposed to just be cold on Saturday and Sunday, but still not be as bad. But Carlos Carrasco versus Herman Marquez who always kills the Mets. Yes. That guy loves Mets jerseys. He just loves facing the Mets. I love the trade for Herman Marquez. Someone brought actually this up on Twitter the other night when talking about Herman Marquez, John Gray, all these guys. Do you ever remember a pitcher who actually left the Rockies and actually got good? No. Right? It's just something we say, but it actually doesn't really happen. Well, maybe it just messes you up so badly. Yeah, you can't come back. That, like, you haven't thrown a curveball in seven and years. And you're also dealing with an organization who uses pencil and pen yeah. and pencil <laughs> and paper. Like, like, there's no player development on the pitching side. It's, it's a marvel that Hermano I Herman think there Mark is has- some pitching development, but it's not any pitching development that can be applied to anything else. Because you're learning how to pitch in course field, which is like kind of an impossible feat. And you don't even know how to do it that well. So it's almost like not even worth it. So... I don't know, it's weird. These guys like John Gray left and he's still just like me. He's still exactly the same guy basically. In a way more pitcher-friendly ballpark, sure. too. And he learns an incredibly effective new pitch. Yeah. But like everything else is still so bad that they're like, z- 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 we got something at least. Yeah, Herman Marquez, he owns us. Hopefully he Crushes stings. us. Hopefully he stinks. Hopefully he doesn't like the snow. But then Saturday is going to be David Peterson versus Austin Gomber. And he's uh, kind of Spider-Man memeish. Yeah, a little bit. They're both just like kind of gangly-ish lefties Large. who kind of don't Gomber's really, lefty? Yeah, Gomber's lefty. don't really have like the greatest stuff. I think Gomber's like Decent. He was also high high traffic. If I don't, if I remember correctly, I believe so. I think he's like everything's okay with Gomber. Right? I don't yeah. think he has anything great. I think he's a good curve. Okay. If I remember correctly, he's good off speed pitches, but that kind of gets nullified Doesn't in matter. Coors Field. Doesn't good, matter out good there. Good thing they traded for him for trading Nolan Arenado for him, and they gave him money. of ridiculous million dollars. And then Sunday in a matchup of a game that's going to have a lot of balls in play. Oh. I hope I jinx that Taiwan Walker versus Chad Cool. Yeah, Chad Cool's got what a good? A good slider. I good think good slider. Good slider hittable he's been pitching for the pirates and the rockies basically his entire career that should tell you a lot about chad cool exactly and then after this series we're heading to san francisco against a team that we beat that is very good so we gotta take two of these rockies games just score 10 a game score 10 a game which is really possible yeah Uh, really really well we put the bat in the ball this year for sure especially with how much we get on base ball's gonna hopefully fly a little bit more although it's gonna be cold and as we've seen the balls definitely fly more in hot weather but lie there Light oh light air. Light air in Colorado. Light air. That might help us out. Hopefully we get some runs. Hopefully we get some wins. I I, I feel good. I feel all right. I feel fine. I want I want to see it first. But then that's also the snowstorm coming. They could use an off day. Could use one. Could but be, a doubleheader also kills us. Of course, yeah, it does. And we also don't we're not gonna have an off day. We're playing we're in San Francisco on Monday. How's that work? Colorado San Francisco is not that crazy. I guess we're not. Playing a bad. day game on Sunday. And we're traveling because we're going all the way back east after Wednesday home against the Phillies next weekend. That's an off day for that travel. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We're looking far ahead here now. We're looking far ahead. We got to take these six weeks as kind of like its own entity right now. (laughs) This is like almost a playoff race these (laughs) next six weeks right here. You got to just be 500 over six weeks, then we'll be set. Yeah, be nice. Hopefully we can get through this. Got the Rocky series coming up. If you were there with the seven line, go say what's up to everybody. Have a beer. Enjoy Mm -hmm. yourself. Great beer in Colorado. Of course. It's a great beer. Also, all the other beers out there. Odell's Brewing is really good. That's the only one I remember, actually, right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm a course man, so oh, yeah, if I'm at Coors Field, I'm drinking Coors. <laughs> Coors, sponsor us. <laughs> you think it's cheap out there? Because like, this is their field. Like How much you guys charging for the beer? Dollar. <laughs> One dollar beer One dollar if you drink Coors Dude, One dollar beers And and that and the, and the game style Of Coors Field That'd be chaos wow, Four hour games out there What a mistake they made Making the, rock, the mountains Blue on their cans <laughs> there, there should be purple The field is for the Rockies and purple Oh my god What a mistake Alright well I don't think Coors even cares About the Rockies Oh definitely don't The mountains yes The team no <laughs> Absolutely not <laughs> Man, we've sidetracked a bit. I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode. Here. episode, episode number ninety-three of the Messed Up Podcast. Thank you guys for listening and watching. Follow us on all our social media at Messed Up, Messed Up YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch the video version of this. If you're listening to us, make sure you're following, subscribing, downloading all the episodes so you don't miss out on the content coming at you. Follow James on Twitter at Jeter had no range. Follow me at Giraffe Neck Mark. Think James might have a Twitter name change coming yeah, soon. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but it might be the end of Jeter had no range. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Which is also a little bit of a hint of what could be coming. But. Yeah. Also. I mean, I mean, hey, Jeter had no range. We we're actually about at the three-year anniversary of Jeter had no range because oh, yeah. it was, I've said this before, maybe not on this show, but on other podcasts I've done, originally I made my baseball tour, there was free Pete Alonzo because that's when we were hoping for Pete Alonzo to actually make the major league team in 2019. He did make the team. I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> so I stole one of my uh, friend's team names in Dynasty Baseball League I'm in It's Jeter couldn't field. Didn't fit the character counts. I Jeter Had No Range. And it it got me enough laughs over the last three years to help me out in a, in a way that I expected. Yeah, if, if someone wants to buy the Jeter Had No Range at uh, James will sell it. Yeah, please let me know. I'll take the highest offer. Also, if you guys have any ideas for at names for me, send them back to me. Yes, but uh, that's good. We're going to wrap it up, guys. Thanks for listening and watching. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Mets Sub Podcast. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.